cliffcentral.com Good day and welcome to another exciting episode of Disrupt with me, Mpumin Tlapo. I will be talking disruption again. Um, today in the studio, I've got a, a guest I've known for quite some time, um, Dave Stevens. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, Mpumi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for um, having me. Before we came in, we are talking about uh, the conversation around disruption. I feel like you know nowadays, this disruption conversation is part of every talk we gave, every conversation we have with clients. And before we get into it, I'm just going to read an excerpt from uh, something that was shared with me about a young grade 12 learner in Namibia from the Ahangwena region. His name is Simon Petrus. And Simon, who went to Iyambo Senior Secondary School, apparently created this phone using spare parts from a TV and from another phone, and it's linked up to a radio system, which is also attached to a box, and it allows the user to view one TV channel on it. So something quite crazy, actually. And apparently he claims that um, he hopes that the phone will one day be able to be carried further as an idea. So really interesting I think trying to be disruptive type of technology. And although we're not talking about grassroots technology today, but really, I mean, there is disruptive energy in Africa, in South Africa, is there not? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of the time, what, what struck me, you know, about what you just read is, is we can't sit back as companies and as, as professionals and, and try and create these things because we don't really know what the actual need is. Absolutely. You know, this, this is a school kid who's, who's found a need. Uh, he's got a problem that he's trying to solve, and for me, I mean, that's where that's where disruption comes from, right? It's you and I couldn't have sat there and dreamed that idea up because we don't have the problem. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, Dave, I mean, very quickly, could you introduce yourself and um, you know tell us a bit about your background, uh, the industry that you come from, um, and your areas of expertise? Maybe just a bit of a biography on yourself. Um, sure, sure. Um, yeah, so. I'm a bit older than I feel, but I uh, <laughs> I studied a BSc at Rhodes University, okay. um, a BSc in Information Systems. So I I, I graduated there. I, I did an honours uh, purely in Information Systems, but I majored in Computer Science and ISO. There's that kind of tech tech frame to 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 my career that was developed early on. Yes. Um. I, yeah. I was very lucky. I was I was sponsored to be at uh, at university. Uh, and uh, I ended up working for the organisation. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if I can mention them, but uh, I uh, yeah, they they sponsored for my university, and uh, and I went and worked there for a few years. So I ended up in management management consulting for a while. Okay. Uh, I suppose cut my teeth a little bit. Um, you know, learned how to to follow instruction. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, learned how to how to be told what to do. Um, but within a creative space, awesome. um, and really, uh, that's guided a lot of what I do now. Uh, yeah, then I moved on. I, I went to a consulting company for a while. Uh, uh, I, I've made a couple of mistakes in my career thus far. Uh, but yeah, then I end, ended up where I am now, just just under seven years ago, and I'm and, and now you it. are at Intervate. That's right, I'm at, at Intervate. Intervate. Okay. Yeah. And and before we talk about Intervate, um, I see here it says. You're a self-proclaimed geek. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, and that's, so can you maybe explain to me what a, I think it's geeky to say self-proclaimed geek, but <laughs> what, what is a self-proclaimed geek? So I think firstly, you know, as a disclaimer, you could ask 10 people the same question, you'll get 10 different answers. Yeah. Um, I see a geek as, as a cool nerd. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, a geek is just somebody that... Uh, it really, in in my definition, really loves technology. Okay. Um, and and the reason I call myself a self-proclaimed geek is not because I'm necessarily a particularly technical person myself. Okay. But I love technology just because it's technology. Yeah. You know, so the example you gave me earlier about that that school kid in Namibia, like that for me, it's it's probably the simplest technology out there. But that's not important. You know, that's that just like I geek out at that. I really love it. I love hearing. You know, somebody who's been really creative, yes. um, and I suppose to use the phrase, you know, it's been really disruptive, um, creating a technology that is just, it's, it's crazy, you it's know, and, it's, yeah. and, and whether it works or not in three years time, for me, doesn't actually matter. It's, it's the fact that some kid's gone out there and done this, you know, he's a geek in my, in my book that, that, that little kid's a geek, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's got it right. And now given that you've worked a lot in the management consulting space, I mean, that's not necessarily a technology arena. You get what I'm saying? So you're not necessarily there developing applications. How, mm. how have you been able to fuel this you know, techie side of you while at the same time, I'm assuming, writing very lengthy uh, strategy documents and all that <laughs> kind of not-so-geeky stuff, yeah. I guess? So, so firstly, I think, I think long strategy-type documents, uh, there's no place for them. I think, uh, okay. I think the real talent lies in being able to write a short strategy document. Ah, okay. Um, 
But yeah, you know, yes, I have. I've done a lot of document writing. Um, you know, and I, in, in my personal life, I spend a lot of time playing with gadgets. You know, my home alarm system. There was no ways I was going to let somebody else do that. Right? Okay. You know, that, that's, that's, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and where I am at Intimate now, and, you know, which is obviously part of T-Systems, where we're exposed to some amazing gadgets and tools and technologies that, that we can play with. You know, and, uh, and I like to look at it that way. I don't see it as, as part of my job. But I'm sure as hell going to have a go at it and play with that stuff. You know, 3D printing, you know, that's old news now, I suppose. But, you know, 3D printing, but with a business slant, you know. So, so I think going back to the geek side of things, I love technology for technology. Okay. But I suppose when I put my professional hat on, I, I really do want to solve a business problem. Yes. You know, if I'm yes. not solving a problem, then what am I doing? Absolutely. Yeah, I, can, I can play with technology in my spare time. That, that's okay. Um, but obviously, in, in you know, in my, <laughs> in what pays the bills, yeah. uh, I need to I need to make sure that I'm really solving a problem in the best way I can. And and in our world, you know, that's typically using technology anyway. Okay, and and when did this all start for you? You know, really finding this technology angle, and and specifically, I want to understand. We talk about disruption today, but we didn't mm. necessarily use that term, um, you know, 13, 15 years ago. Mm. But obviously yourself coming into the management consulting space, dealing at senior executive level in certain cases, was there this disruptive energy at the time in corporates? I don't think there was, to be honest. Um, okay. Certainly not when I started out. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I've been going for about 13 years now, and I, I, I didn't really feel it. Certainly not in the position that I was in. Yeah. Um, I think it's taken... It's taken the consumerization of of technology and IT and and things that you know people like you and I wouldn't have got access to in the past. Yes, um, it's taken you know to to use the cliched example. It's taken the Googles. It's taken the Apples to really give us this technology um, and say you know you guys go and create something with that. Okay. Um, and I think for me personally, I when I could, I mean, I think it was a Gmail account actually. I got a Gmail account and I was like, this is amazing. I don't have to have a server. Okay. You know, I just, I can just go and log into this thing. I mean, I barely had an internet connection, but I had a Gmail account. Mm. And for me personally, at that point, I was like, hang on, you know, there's technology can actually help people do things better, simpler, you know, easier than, than ever before. Um, so I think, you know, like I said, I think the, the big organizations releasing this, what was innovative at the time, I suppose still is. It took them releasing that stuff and being the leaders in their spaces, uh, in spaces that didn't even exist then, um, to to drive organisations and big corporations and the banks and whatever whatever whatever's out there, to go. Hey, we we can use this stuff and we should be using this stuff. Um, so yeah, I think I think it got driven by the technology industry, okay, rather than from the other and, side. And, and what about the likes of an Amazon, who you know, um, you know, when the inter- internet boom really came to the fore, were trying to, I guess, um, disrupt the, the retailers at the mm. time. Um, what fueled them? I mean, what, was that not like really uh, the early beginnings of this disruptive type of energy coming into major mainstream type of industries? It, I, th- I think it could have been. I mean. Perhaps it's a little bit controversial, but I would see Amazon as one of those big tech giants. Okay, you know they they didn't sit back and go, oh my goodness, you know how do we, I don't know how do we save on storage space, or you know how do we how do we make sure that the logistics of delivering these these books in those days, yeah. um, you know how do we make sure that that that's taken care of? They did it themselves, you know. Yeah. So I actually, my opinion, and I think there's a few people out there that would probably agree, is that Amazon were probably one of the the forerunners in this whole disruption thing. And they did it themselves. Okay. And they really did it themselves. What I find quite interesting about Jeff, Jeff Bezos from Amazon is um, <clears throat> how true the story is. I'm not 100% sure. But, okay. but he, uh, he had a plan from, for exactly when Amazon would turn their first profit. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, and he, he missed it by a day, I believe, wow. on the good side. Uh. Um, and that actually just goes back a little bit to say, you know, you can, you can do all this cool, amazing stuff. But he was solving a business problem and he had a very, very clear business case. About how he that's... had a strategy, you know, all the management consultants getting excited, you know, but he had a strategy. It was, it was planned and he delivered it. And, I, you know, I don't think he would have done that without some of the technological Disruptions, if you want to call them that, that 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 he implemented. I really don't. I think I think they were big leaders. Uh, and and you're, so you feel that they were just doing business, but they were doing good business, and technology became 
one of the enablers of that business. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I think, like I said, I think they're actually a technology business. I mean, I I suppose nowadays, yes, they are. Absolutely. Um, But then they were a bookstore that was online. Ultimately, right. And sharing their books via, you know, you could get a catalog online, search for the books. Yeah, yeah, and get it delivered to your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I think they knew what they were doing before we did. <laughs> and now let's maybe move forward into you currently with Intervate. Can you tell me a little bit about um, Intervate before we get into the smart cities conversation? What, what's going on sure. there? No, so Intervate is. I mean, we've been a we've been a Microsoft based partner for for many many years. Okay. Uh, in fact, eighteen. We were eighteen on the first of April. It's not a joke. That's that actually is our birthday. Um, you know, Intervate started out as being a product company. We built we built an intranet. And uh, it was it was quite successful. I mean, I wasn't around then, but yes. uh, from what I understand, it was a, it was a, a success cheaper, <laughs> a successful project, okay. and um, uh, uh, sorry, product. And you know that over time, that uh, evolved into Intervate becoming a services focused business. Um, I think we were we were starting to compete with the Microsofts of this world with our own product, and obviously that's a very difficult compete for a small for a small company. Yes, and we we became a, a services based business. Um, so we focused in the space of enterprise information management, content management, um, and over a few years that's that's evolved. Um, and, and you know now we've funnily enough we've gone back to 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 some of the products. Um, so we we do build some products now, um, but we're still very much focused in that. Content management, document management, records management space. Um, yeah, and we do it well. You know, we've we've won a number of awards consecutively for it. Fantastic. Um, and we consider ourselves, for for the most part, the best at what we do. And now, how does that link into this um, pothole application? So I know I know you did quite some extensive work uh, with the city of Johannesburg originally mm. um, around solving the pothole problem, but but I believe now it's bigger than that in terms of what you're able to do. Can you? Maybe take me through um, an uh, overview of what, what that, what's happening there, what that's all about. Sure. So it was actually with the Joburg Roads Agency. Yes. And uh, they approached us. You know, one of the things we, we did or we do is uh, we build mobile applications. And um, they approached us and, and asked us to, to help them build an app that allowed citizens to – or motorists, I think they even called it – motorists to log issues. Okay. Things like potholes, um, faulty traffic lights, uh, road markings that might not be – you know, clear or they're faded over time. And and so we built um, a, a mobile application that was across the major platforms uh, that really allowed anybody to download it for free and, and they could log issues. Uh, and, you know, from from taking a few days to to get that that bit of information to the Joburg Roads Agency, that, that got down to seconds. Wow. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, you could – Obviously, you don't want to be driving and taking pictures with your phone, but you could see a pothole, you know, two minutes later when you stop, go back, find it on a map, you know, say, I saw a pothole here, if, if need be and if possible, take a photo of that. And, and with seconds later, that's at the Joburg Roads Agency, they can activate their teams, uh, get the guys out there, fix it, and, uh, and you get feedback via the app as well. Um, yeah, so that, that was really our, I suppose our foray, or is that the right word? I think it yeah. is, yeah. Into, uh, into smart cities type technology. Okay. Um, and that's just started growing. You know, we've, we've started talking to more people over time. We, we've learned some lessons. Um, and, and we're just, imp- we're trying to improve that. You know, we've, we've tried to bundle it. We have bundled it. So it's no longer something that's going to take six months to build. You know, we can, you know, we can arrive and, and literally two or three days later, you've got a working system. Um, with you know, with case management and issue management in the background, um, up and, and running. And now, help me understand then, because um, so this links into the city's systems and processes, and I can log all the issues. Correct. Um, but I would ask the question then is to say, what are the challenges? Because surely this is something that should be on everybody's smartphone. I'm, I'm going to assume. So, yeah. so what are the, some of the challenges that, that would face in terms of, and, and I don't want to make it specific to, to this project necessarily, but, you know, in this endeavor to create these smart cities and smart citizens, um, surely there's challenges along that journey. Absolutely. I mean, one of, the, one of our biggest lessons has been that you need an authority. You need somebody who's going to take ownership of those issues okay. once, they've, once they've hit a database. Let's call it that uh, for, ease of, you know, for ease of use. But, you know, they... And it's not to say that the JRA didn't do that. In fact, they were very good at taking ownership of it. Um, it's it's to say you really need 
as a citizen, I need to be able to log an issue and I need to know that it's going to be resolved. Okay. I need to know that somebody is is out there. So you need to trust the system. I that need it's to trust it. Yield a result. Yeah, and I mean the only way you get that trust is is to prove it. You know, you you don't just you don't just go oh trust us. You know, that's the last person you trust is the yeah. person who tells you to trust them. Um, you know, it, it takes a couple of interactions and, and positive interactions. You know, you log an issue and, and a couple of minutes later you've got a, a response to say, this, you know, thank you. You know, thank you for logging the issue. Here's your reference number. This is the next step that's going to take place. Um, and all of that stuff is, you know, it's available. It's there. It's technology. Um, and it's, yeah, so it, it, I suppose, you know, I talk about technology, but I've got to bring it back to the, to the personal, the human aspect. Okay. It's, it's about experiences. You know, so, I mean, I can give you an example with the GRA app. You know, it's one of the things that GRA do is that they look after stormwater drains. Okay. And where I live, I've got a stormwater drain outside my house. I logged an issue, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, four hours later, someone had been there and fixed it. Wow. You know, yes, I understand the technology behind it because we built it. Yes. <laughs> but I was blown away as a citizen of… Even of, though you had… It'd been involved in the crafting of the, it's still that, I was blown that away. service yeah. level aspect of it still, still got to, yeah. And we can automate that stuff, but we, you know, we're not quite at the point yet where a robot goes and does the work, right? Yeah. But so there's still a human aspect. There's a big human aspect in a lot of this stuff. Someone's got to fix that, that stormwater drain or someone's got to repaint that bit of road. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's, I think, what one of the, one of the biggest learnings has been is to make sure that whoever the, that authority is that I spoke about, it's that they really understand their role in, in making the solution a success. Okay. And it's a big commitment, you know, because all of a sudden you're going to get a whole bunch of people who've got phones in their pockets and, and they've now got access to you yes. in real time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it'll highlight the flaws that you've got. And I think that's quite a, it's a scary place to put yourself. It is, know, it to, is. As an organization. But it's it also not the challenge. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, people talking about data must fall and high data prices in, mm. in South Africa in particular. But is that not also another potential blocker? From a cost point of view, from an access, from an access point of view, because we wouldn't want sure. we wouldn't want it to be only for the reserve of the select few, but that it should be something that can benefit everybody. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think I think that's a good point. I mean, it's so so. Firstly, from a technical perspective, we do our very best to to absolutely limit the amount of data that that the app uses. Okay. Um, and it really is minimal. It, it doesn't use a lot at all. That being said, you know that's easy for me to say. Yes. Um, I can afford some data, you know, mm. but I suppose for other people, that's, that's a very different story. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that, that I think we should look at more is, for example, I'll use Joburg because, you know, I live here. I understand the place a bit better. Mm. Joburg's got a bunch of free Wi-Fi hotspots all over the city now. I think there's over a thousand, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. And, uh, you know, in places like libraries and um, police stations, I think, and fire stations. So people, when they need services, they are now... And it's not complete yet, but the guys are able to to access data for free. I believe that we should be piggybacking these sorts of products off the back of that so that people know that it's, you know, they can access it from a Joburg Wi-Fi hotspot, for example. Mm. And uh, and it's free, you know. Uh, and then there's other ways, very technical. I'm not sure if it's right for this discussion today, yes. but there, there are ways where you can reverse that cost. Um, one of the things we're actually looking at now uh, is USSD. Okay. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people might be out there so that's saying… That's like through SMSs, correct? Basically, yeah. Basically, that's a, that's a good way of explaining it. Um, you know, so if you buy airtime now, most, I think, I mean, the provider I'm with, I, I actually use USSD. I okay. find it works better than the app. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's really a text-based interaction. Um, that's a very business view of it rather than a technical one. Yeah. Um, you know, and, it's, and that can be reverse-bold. Okay. Um, the challenge that we found with that is, you know, is is that these sorts of apps rely on things like GPS location. You want to know that information. Yes. Now, if you're not using a smartphone and you're using something like a feature phone or, or that Namibian guy's phone, yeah, you probably wouldn't be able to use the app, right? Not yet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, so there's some technologies that that we take for granted, um, and we expect people to have. Um, but I think there's a much bigger picture or issue at play here. Not issue. Um, kind of force for want of a better phrase you know there's this whole urbanization and you know i think what is it 20 30 75 percent of the world's population something like that are going to be are going to be living in in urban areas in urban areas yes you know and that and there's a lot that can be said about that you know a lot of those people do have access to data they they need access to data to survive in the cities for you know for all intents and purposes okay so i think whatever we do now in catering for 
for the kind of data must fall type of thing, we've got to, we've got to be very careful not to have too short a term view. Okay. Um, we do need to keep looking into the future. And, and I'm, I'm one of the guys that thinks quite soon data is going to be cheap, um, even in this country. You know, it's, it's a matter of time. Okay. There's yeah. more infrastructure gets into play, more competition, yeah. more offers from the current providers than customers will, will obviously gravitate to where they get the best value. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so now talk to me about um, how are we able to take this beyond South African shores? Because, you know, when I've had guests on the show and I've spoken to different people, this idea that as we become more digitalized, that it could have an impact on jobs. Mm. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And we spoke about that a bit earlier, um, where, where you mentioned that this question about the jobs keeps coming up. Yeah, it does. Uh, what can, what perspective can you share on that? So, look, I think particularly in this sort of smart cities, smart citizen type space, apps, that sort of thing. Mm. You know, certainly our perspective on this is we don't want anybody to lose their job. That's the last thing we need, certainly in Africa and, and especially in South Africa. You know, okay. We don't want that. We want to create jobs, but we also want people to do meaningful jobs. You know, I'd. Personally, you know, if you're if you're waiting for an SMS to come through and then you you look at that SMS and you transcribe it into a spreadsheet and then that gets sent to somebody else, that's that's not very rewarding work. Certainly not for me, you know. Okay. That's something that technology can handle. Um and as clever as technology is and all this artificial intelligence and that sort of stuff, you know, I still think the human element is is really important. Okay. Certainly in in the in the age we're in now. And so those people that used to be handling Call them menial tasks okay. in, in the technology space. Let's get them solving issues that technology can't solve for them at the moment. Certainly not affordably. Yes. You know, if I want to have a good fight with somebody because I didn't get customer service, I don't want to talk to a robot, right? I want to talk to a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I think that's the maybe that's not the best example of rewarding work, but but at least that person is is doing something that. You know that really makes a difference to me as a as a consumer in okay. that space. Yeah. Okay, and and I guess there's also that type of outreach <laughs> outreach type of work where you know you want people to go and understand people's challenges and problems and come back to companies like yours to say we need solutions to the problems that we've identified in people. Yeah, and to a certain extent, you know, machines are not ready to understand the core of some of these challenges that people might be facing. Right? Yeah, look, I think I think there might be. But but not affordably at the moment. Okay. You know, I think it's just this artificial intelligence space. It actually freaks me out a little bit. You know, it's it's. <laughs> I think I'm in Elon Musk's school of thought there. You know, be very be very careful. The machines are coming. Yeah. But you know, I think I think a lot of that intelligence is there, and I think we've got to be quite careful to understand that it is structured intelligence at the moment. Certainly in the accessible and what I would say affordable space. Um. You know, one of <laughs> It's a bit cheesy, and I'm sorry, but Intervate's tagline is anything's possible. Yes. And I really do believe that. Yep. Um, and, and I believe that anything's possible, but that, that doesn't talk to anything around budgets and emotion necessarily. Yes. I mean, one of the great examples, I think everybody's probably heard of it, is these self-driving cars. You know, they – so if you and I are driving down the road and, and, and we've got to make a split-second decision, you know, we, we take a range of factors into – into 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 the you know into consideration. Yeah. You know. Oh my goodness. There's a kid walking on the side of the road. I'm not going to swerve that way. Okay. You know. I'd rather swerve this way. Ooh, I might hit that tree, but that's probably better than you know what what would happen on the other side of the road. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Now that's something that we've learned over over our lives. Um, now you've got to teach a computer, a car. You've got to teach a car to make that decision. You know, this is well documented. It's out yes. there at the moment. Yes. But, I mean, I don't know how you do that. You know, for me, that's rewarding work. Is <laughs> How do you teach the machine to be an emotional kind of being or a sentient being? Mm. Um, you know, and I, that's why I say I think this stuff's available. They're self-driving cars. But they can't make these sorts of decisions just yet. Just yet, um, yes. And, and even if they can, uh, they're, they're massively expensive. They're all in R&D sort of phase at the moment. Um, yeah, and then you have to, you know, you have to weigh up. Is it better just to have humans driving the cars for the next while? <laughs> yes. And now linking on to that, because you know, public transport becomes a big factor when we talk about smart cities um, and the evolution of, of citizens within cities. Where, where is this space going? You've started with, with an app um, mm. that, that does various things, but what, what is the vision for this space? I mean, what is a true smart city? Sure, that's a, that's, that's a big question. Mm. Um, look, I... I might have a slightly different view of it. And, and, and when I say I, I think maybe from an interface perspective, we've got a slightly different view of what makes a smart city. Okay. Um, firstly, when you say smart cities, most people think of, you know, 
street lights that you can charge your electric car and there's Wi-Fi meshes connected to them. I mean, again, not my world, but people don't think of the human aspect, you know. And for me, it's 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 crucial that a smart city is where you've got unambiguous bi-directional communication between the citizens of that city and the city. Okay. For me, that's the very first thing. Is like you really empower your citizens. You know, you can give me one of those streetlights any day of the week, but if you can't fix my billing query and I can't report that to you, or if, you know, I've got someone's dug a hole across my driveway and I can't get out, it doesn't matter how smart the rest of the city is. You it's know, if the experience. I, it's the experience, right? It's that customer experience again. And if I can't communicate that with you and get a, a reasonable and fast response, everything else you do after that is, is often for efficiency and cost savings. And I'm not, not to say that that's wrong. Um, I think that needs to carry on. Um, but we've really got to start thinking about citizens. Yes. You know, and really, you know, you're Pumi, are you able to communicate with your city when they've accidentally charged you three times your electricity amount? You know, that's way more important to you at that moment in time than a fancy streetlight. You know, I'll go back to that example. Yes. So, you know, so, so for me and, and, and for Intervate, I think smart cities actually start with with the human aspect. They okay. start with that communication. They start with the ability to form a relationship with your city or with your authority. Okay. And and then develop it from there. You know, and and that's where we start talking about from a city perspective, we're starting to automate the menial tasks. Okay. You know, for me that's a smart city. Um, you know, when 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 you're asking a, a question and it's actually, you know, a bot that's responding to you, you know, I don't want to be the service, the call center person who has to answer, you know, when is my account due 450 times a day. I don't want to be that guy, right? Yes. Um, you know, I want to be the guy that's, that's solving the really challenging billing problem instead. Um, so, yeah, that, that for me is where it starts. I think when, when I go back to my geek status, some of the stuff that's happening in the smart city spaces is just, it's crazy. Indulge us. Oh, no. So, I mean, we popped off to, to a great big conference in Barcelona last year. And, okay. and there was Which a, one was that? Oh, it's a, it's a long – it's the Smart Cities World Expo Congress. Okay. Yeah, I think I got that right. Um, you know, and, and they had a water exp, um, exhibition there as well, you know, specifically focused. But – and it was actually quite interesting. And, and that's why my previous answer to you now was framing actually what we learned there. Yes. And, uh, you know, these guys, I mean, they're doing amazing stuff, you know, garbage cans that SMS, they don't actually SMS, but they communicate with a truck that's nearest when the garbage can is full. Wow. Um, and, and they're taking that even further with the whole IoT, the Internet of Things, and they're saying, well, I'm only going to communicate with that truck if the stuff in, in me, as in the dustbin, yes. is rotting, for example. So they've got sensors that are starting to pick the stuff up. Wow. Otherwise, that truck can wait until my normal collection day. But, you know, there's a health risk here, so come and get it quicker, you know. Yes. It's that sort of stuff. And, and again, I mean, I use the streetlight example. I was, I'm, you can probably hear I'm starting to get quite excited about yeah, the, the tech stuff. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that, there was one particular streetlight that it, was, it had Wi-Fi technology, solar panel, solar driven. You could charge your electric car. You could make emergency calls. There was a bus route displayed on it on a, on a screen, um, and quite got the you know the the movement of the buses going in. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that was the streetlights, and I mean, obviously, the the actual lighting aspect of it was smart as well. It it would change the the lighting colors, I suppose, or the, the spectrum, hues, the hues. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would change those depending on the weather conditions at the time. You know, so if it was sure. overcast. And, and maybe the light coming through was a little bit yellower or warmer, for example, it would change the hues according to that, you know, so that you always had optimal lighting. Um, the guys, they couldn't show it to us, I think, because there were too many people in the area, but also what it did was it would pick up movement in the area. And, and if there was no movement, and, and obviously it picks it up from a distance, yes. it switched off. Save energy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and went completely solar-powered anyway. But, you know, so... <clears throat> These are the sorts of things, you know, we started seeing um, lots of other stuff, you know, 3D printing and, you yes, know, the yes. materials of the future and yeah. that sort of stuff that, you know. So I guess maybe where I struggle is, is, in between, <laughs> is in between where you've spoken about the need to provide the basic services. I mean, like mm -hmm. just access and communicate and fix the, the little things and uh, charting the future 
for the city, for the district, municipality, whatever the case may be, mm. and, and finding that right balance between the two. Because, yes, while I want to get those basic things resolved for myself, there is also this need to engage the world differently and to be in a digitally, I guess, advanced or connected world. Yeah, it's a look. It's we've actually been engaging with a couple of municipalities, and it, it is actually a challenge that they're really struggling with. Yeah. Is um, you know, it's all very well to to go and buy smart stuff, but what is our actual smart strategy? Yes. Um, and and to be completely honest, there there's a lack of that knowledge locally, certainly that can really help cities define um, what a smart strategy looks like. Looks like I think I think there are many of many people out there and many organisations who can who can take a particular silo, and they and they, you know, they specialise in that space. For example, waste. Yeah, you know, and they'll be able to map that out for you. Um, but it's a it's a it's a big complex area. Um, Again, I'll, I'll you know slightly disagree with you. I think, you know, I think that certainly in in for the most part of Africa, we are I think we're, we're quite far from from proper smart cities. Okay. Whether I actually know what a proper smart city is, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I think we've got some very very basic challenges, service delivery issues, living conditions, you know, levels of poverty. You know, those things need to get fixed first. Mm. You know, as as but much can as you technology not be an enabler um, to to leapfrog. <clears throat> You know, um, and I'm just make a, a basic example. I know, and I'm not 100 percent sure where it was, but one of the countries in Europe where they they're trying to not import waste from other countries because they got a shortage of waste and they use the waste to power yes. energy and do all yes. sorts of other clever stuff. So I guess I guess um, my my statement is not to to disagree, but only to say if we approach it differently. So if we take the traditional model, you need to have a landfill. You've got trucks that take garbage to a landfill taking the waste example mm. and then you need to kind of split it up and then it needs to degrade over time but that if we adopt technology like we did with mobile technology where we kind of you know leapfrogged the whole fixed line environment mm. and which mm. and then we've pioneered the mobile space isn't there an opportunity for us in this smart city space to do a little bit of this leapfrogging i think there is i, I, I agree with you there i think yeah. i think there really is i actually like your example i don't know why but i think it was sweden i think it was sweden one of the nordic one of the nordic countries yeah, yeah one of them um you know and i think that's i think that's great um but if we take it back to the the earlier example of the of the kid in namibia yes he knew that that problem was there yes and and he went out of his way to to try and solve that problem looks like he has yes um and again, it's for me. It's about identifying these sorts of issues. I don't think necessarily that that you know I'm in a position to go to I don't know a, a waste management utility, for yes. example, and say why don't we ship our stuff off to Sweden? Okay. You know, I think it's great. Yeah. But I think they need to recognise that that's an issue that they've got, and then proactively start looking for solutions that aren't just. What they've done in the past, okay, um, and then I think that's where the big organisations can can start helping. Is once you've realised that you've got the issue, and you and you want to fix it, and you're willing to to think differently, yes, I think that's really where the power comes in. Um, and on the, on the flip side of that as well, you, know, you look at this recycling. I think it's great. I mean, I'd love to I'd love to be able to send all of our all of our waste, waste overseas. We're also a long way from a lot of places. Yeah, you know, so. So that particular example probably wouldn't work, for, certainly not for South Africa. We're too far away. You mm. know, the costs of getting that mm. there and back and all the pollution and things that go with it wouldn't make sense. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, I, I, yeah, my, I change my mind about this quite regularly. Yeah, but it's a moving topic, right, because we don't know <coughs> the answers. Why. Um, yeah, that's why. I, I guess maybe it's just if I frame it back around disruption, for me it's about understanding that the answers might not lie in where the problems are sitting currently. Do you get what I'm saying? And I'm with you, yeah. So, I mean, and I bring it back to the Intervate app. Um, I mean, it's solving an issue around potholes. Mm. Now, typically, if I wanted to solve a pothole issue, I'm going to go look for a construction company or maybe a company that deals with traffic or something Not like that. Not a technology company, Not necessarily. Right? Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I'm with you, um, 100%. And, and, maybe, and maybe that's where, um, in, in terms of the show, we're trying to understand disruption from the perspective that technology, like many other Elements is an enabler, mm. but what you've been saying over and over is that you need to understand the context of the problems to be able to solve them. Yeah, and and that's a difficult thing to do. It is. You know, it's it's very easy to sit back and go, oh, we've got this amazing app, we can fix your problem. Yes, it's not true. 
you know, we might fix one of your problems. Okay. It might not be the one that you're wanting us to fix. Yeah. Um, like you said, you've really got to get the context of the problem. You've got to understand it. I mean, going back to the app, it's, you know, one of the uses for the app is, is a pothole. Okay. But, you know, that can be applied across anything. That could be for crime. That could be for water problems. You okay. know, and that's a very topical discussion right now. Absolutely. You know, it's, the reality is that you're trying to engage with, with, a, with an authority. Okay. And, and you want action and you want feedback. Okay. Um, you know, so, so even though we talk about the app using an example of, of potholes, yes. that actually fixes a range of different problems. But they've all got, they're all quite common. You know, they're all about, I've got an issue, I need to report it, something okay. needs to get fixed. Um, and then you can extend that into things like crime. Uh, like I said, um, you know, how to, you know, fire. Um, yeah, so the, the technology's got legs, yes. I think. Yes. Um, again, yes. though, like you, you actually said it really nicely, is it's understanding the context of the problem. Okay. Um, I, we can't go to anybody and say, we've got, we've got the app that fixes everything. Yes. What we can do is say, we've got an app. We believe you've got these problems. You know, is this the best way to solve that problem? I see. Um, you know, and we, we don't want to give you an app if it's not good. You know, it's not just an app. You know, I mean, It's more than that, yeah. It's more than that. But we don't want to give that to you if it's not going to solve the problem. That doesn't help anybody. And, um, and how do we get it out into other geographies? Um, you know, we, <clears throat> we import a lot of tech, a yeah, lot of IP yeah. that we use all of us on a daily basis. And it's, and it's good. I mean, it works for us. Mm. But how do we get to a point where we can start to export some of our IP and some of our, our knowledge? I think that boils, <laughs> funnily enough, it goes back to the human, human aspect, right? You've got a partner. You know, I don't, I don't think we can, anybody really can, can just walk into the next geography and all of a sudden try and convince them that we understand their problems. Yeah. So again, it goes back to understanding the problem, partnering with the right people or organizations or whatever it happens to be in whatever geography you think you can make a difference. Okay. And, and really understanding the problem again. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's, it, like we've been saying, it's, it's quite easy to say, hey, guys, here's our product. And, and we do that. You know, as you've said, it's called Smart Citizen. It's a product. It does a bunch of different things, and we can customize it. You know, anything's possible. We can, we can really do anything with it, you know, if you want us to. Um, but we can't just, you know, for example, pop off to Zambia and say, hey, guys, we can fix every municipal problem that you've got. Yes. Uh, we don't understand their problems. Um, so it's, yeah, taking it back to the human element, you know, making relationships, Forging partnerships and and then working together, you know, yeah. as a, as a community, you know, a, cre- a community created for a specific purpose. Um, but you need to you need to create those communities, otherwise you're not going to be making a difference wherever yes. you go. Yes, um, it, it's so interesting, Dave. Sorry to jump in there, but every time I speak to someone on the show and I ask questions and we have a conversation about various things centered around technology, I guess to a certain extent, the one core theme that always comes back is the human aspect. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it's sentimental because, you know, we're here on a show yeah. or, or if it's genuinely that key to, to the success factors. I mean, I, I don't even have a, an opinion on that other than it's absolutely crucial. Okay. You know, I, I don't fluctuate between well, maybe sometimes. It, it, humans are most important, right? I mean, that's, that's the people you're trying to, for the most part, trying to solve problems for. Yes. Um, and if you're not taking into account human beings when you're trying to solve human beings problems you're missing the point point like you said technology can be an enabler um but you know you're not just going to create a piece of tech and it just changes the world overnight um you know i'll I'll use the the cliched example i guess but uber you know that's some amazing technology Mm. but they were solving a very human problem right? Yes, yes um they weren't solving a technology problem they used technology to solve a human problem and they needed yeah. to understand it from a human perspective Absolutely. and the challenges that that problem yeah. or that were being presented yeah. to come up with the solution. Yeah, and I mean, if you look locally at all the challenges they're having, I stand to be corrected, but I think for the most part, it's it's human beings and emotion. Yeah, they're, not, know, it's, they're not having issues with the app that is not running or my payments were late or whatever. Exactly. None of those issues. No. It's all human people-to-people relations issues that they're facing, exactly. which is interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it, it's not surprising. I think we've seen it for a while. Um, and it's been... You said earlier that digital transformation is a bit of a catchphrase, I think you said. Yes. And and it is. And I think one of the things that the world has been grappling with, and certainly, you know, we have, is how do you make digital transformation more human? Okay. <laughs> you know, how do you how do you actually get people involved? You know, I mean I know this is an area that you you're very fond of and yes, keen on. But, absolutely. But I think, you know, it's for me certainly it's been you know, we've got all this amazing tech and we've got 
all these models and the pillars of digital transformation. And, yes. You know, in my mind, it comes back to are we solving real problems? Um, and, and are those problems, you know, are we solving them? Are they human problems or yes. are they tech problems? Um, obviously, using the digital side of things, you know, that's a very, very warped way of explaining it, I think. But, mm. but really, for me, what we've been grappling with is how do we make this digital transformation thing more human. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Rather than just the machines have taken over. <laughs> and you move on. But the interesting part is, um, do you foresee that there will be more of this type of um, upheaval, I guess, around technology coming in and um, replacing a space that was maybe occupied by, by, by people or businesses, you know, rebelling, I guess, against other businesses mm. that are seeking to disrupt them? Do you see that as something that will continue to grow or, or, or you think will become better at, you know, looking at the human aspect? Mm, look, I think it's a, com- a, a combination of, of, of both. I think, I think it's going to become more disruptive going forward. I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in, in the future, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do think it's going to become more, more disruptive. And I think it's going to get more cutthroat. Um, but at the same time, I think that organizations and just entrepreneurs and, and people, in general, are going to get smarter at using technology and they're going to be using things that you and I can't even dream of now. Yes, um, yes. You've probably heard it before that our kids, you know, I've got two little boys, you know, one is five, and the other day he asked me who was going to teach him to drive. And it actually got me thinking. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, dude, um, I don't think you're ever going to learn to drive. <laughs> you might get a pilot's license, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, and it made me think, you know, is. The disruption is, it's there, it's coming, you know. The, the other part of that is what our kids are going to be doing jobs in 20 years' time that don't exist now or something Absolutely, like that. Absolutely, yes. Um, and, and for me, that's all part of this, tra- this disruption and this transformation and all the, you know, the technology is just getting better and better and better. It's getting cheaper, it's getting more reliable. Um, I think we're going to get better at using it. Okay. Well, I hope we do. We'll get better at using the technology. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah I hope yeah. so. <laughs> no, I, I really do wonder that, you know, this like I said, this this aspect of the human as part of this journey, to what extent are we going to focus more? Because you know, most of the time people are like, I've got this wonderful idea and I want to do X, Y, Z. But it's very rare that we would really delve into the questions about the impact that will have on people, you know, from a, mm. and specifically being in Africa around jobs, around job security, um, around incomes for families, that kind of yeah. stuff. So it's really, I think, something that we can tackle at a future stage. Now back to you, Dave. So, wh- where are you now in terms of your your own journey? God, if I knew the answer to that, I'd be where I'm going to end up. Um, <laughs> are you still? I'm, I mean, are you still pursuing growing this uh, the smart citizen absolutely. story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, where, where is that? How is that progressing? So, we're in conversations. We're talking to to a lot of different entities, a lot of different people. Like I said earlier, you asked me, you know, what's one of the big challenges? You know, it's difficult to get guys to commit to in a way, to bom- being bombarded with, with service requests. Okay. So just um, elaborate on that. So, you know, if, if I if – I, uh, let me use an example. Uh, somebody who looks after electricity in a small town. Okay. They, uh, you know, they maybe their service hasn't been great for, for, for six or seven months. Okay. And their call center doesn't really operate as efficiently as what the residents would like it to. Okay. All of a sudden, you go and put an app in those residents' hands. Or you go and put a chatbot where they're able to, a communication channel, let me call it that. Yes. That they're able to interact virtually real time with a city. You're going to get bombarded with more and more information and okay. more and more complaints. Yes. So it's almost a bit of a sentiment type view on it. You know, it's, it's going to highlight your shortcomings. Uh, I see. You know, so where, where you are only logging, let's just make up some numbers, 20, excuse me, pothole issues a day. No, let me not use bottles. Let's uh, let's say we're logging billing twenty billing issues a day, because people were holding on call center lines. They were they were waiting for twenty minutes to get through, and then they gave up, or you couldn't hear the person. Now all of a sudden you're getting five hundred a day, because they can just log it and it comes straight through. And those numbers aren't actually fake. I didn't just make those up completely. You know we've okay. seen that in the past. That sort of growth. I mean twenty to five hundred is a it's a it's massive, massive amount of That's growth. Massive. You know, and and all of a sudden now your inability to resolve a billing query is going to get exposed because all of a sudden you've said to somebody cool we acknowledge your request okay uh and this is what we're going to do about it then you've got to do something about it um and and i think i don't think it's a negative thing i think 
a lot of the time it's <laughs> I'm going to take it back to the human aspect okay. and uh, a lot of the time it's a, how do we actually make this successful you know it's great we can prove the tech works I mean I can pull my phone out of my pocket now and prove to you that the tech works yes it's how do the organizations that we're trying to sell this to who are struggling with service delivery as an example I mean this doesn't have to be public sector this can be you know private sector as well they're struggling with issues you know they've got to have a plan for how they go about resolving those sorts of issues and those issues can be a lack of funding those issues could okay. be not enough trained resources or skills or people okay it could be you know it could be as simple as so it's not just a simple thing of they're lazy no 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 no, no, no. it's not that i mean it's i don't think it's that for the most part okay um you know there's a much bigger initiative that needs to happen behind deploying something like this um you know, and, and I think as citizens, and myself included, we, we often forget that, you know, when I pick up the phone and I shout at somebody because my, my you know, my, my account is incorrect or I got double billed or something. Yes. For the most part, that person's had nothing to do with it. In fact, I would say 100% of the time they've had nothing to do with it. It's been a system. You know, so those are actually the problems that, that those organizations are trying to solve. It's not so much the, the logging of the issue. It's actually how do we improve our service delivery. Okay. Our customer experience. Okay, and this is just something that is assisting and supporting that. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and then to go back to my earlier question about taking this to to um, to other use cases, um, mm. because I do, I read somewhere that it's as much as you you mentioned it as well that as much as it's uh, built around potholes or, or service delivery, but that you can apply it in in, yeah, in different can, ways. And, and, let me, and let me tell you why I asked the question is because more and more. You know, there's an example in Kenya with M-Pesa where there's mm. now hundreds of different use cases for a simple platform. And so yeah. more and more this idea of having platforms as opposed to just like, you know, point solutions mm. is growing. Mm. Um, can you maybe just talk about, you know, as a, from a platform point of view, are there any opportunities around this, um, this application that you've built? Absolutely. I think, you know, at, at the outset, any, any sort of issue that you want to report, it's a framework. You know, we've created a framework. You could call it a platform. Okay. Um, but any sort of issue that you want to report where you need some feedback, that this can cater for that. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, you know, if you want to share documents, documentation, it can cater for that as part of a case management sort of process. Uh, what we're actually looking at as some feedback is, you know, why not, why not integrate payment gateways? Okay. You know, so… I mean, maybe this is a bit of a cheeky example, but it's yes. something that we've spoken about is, I'll use the city of Joburg, is, you know, if, if I don't pay my rates and taxes for six months, and then I want to phone them and complain about service delivery, you'd, you know, this as a platform, they would be able to see and have that integrated view and almost say to you, you know, why, not saying that they would do this, but, yeah. you know, why would you, you know, how, how do you have the cheek to complain about service delivery, but you're not paying your rates and taxes? You know, click over here, pay now, there's a payment gateway, <laughs> and you can make your payment. You can check your account balance. Um, you know, so it becomes a way of communicating with… With the city. With the cities, with, with employees. This, like I said, it doesn't have to just be cities, you know. Um, and, and I think that's where this is, where the legs are. That, this is where it's going to go, you know, is to say, well, you know, one of the things I can do with my city app is, you know, I can log a pothole. I'll go back to that example. Yeah. But actually, what I'd like to do as a citizen, as also, I'd also like to be able to ask when my account is due, get my account balance and pay it all from the app. Okay. Um, and, and that's very much possible. You know, it's a case of, of, of doing it. Um, most of that's actually there already. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so I think that's where this is going from a platform perspective. We, we have these sorts of conversations with potential customers all the time. And... What we're learning very quickly is we don't know what all of their problems are. We, we touched on it earlier. Yes. They need to tell us what their problems are, and then we can work together with them to try and understand, you know, and try and figure out a, a creative solution, the best solution. You know, and, and if it's not an app, then so be it. Then yes. it's not an app. Um, but, you know, without understanding that problem first, uh, we, we don't really know how far this can go. Um, but what we are seeing is that, you know, the customers, potential customers we have spoken to, They've got ideas that we've never even thought of, uh, you know, and, and all of this, what we we're talking about yes, earlier, yes. and all of a sudden you're like, oh, jeepers, obviously, that's such a good idea. It makes sense. Yeah, that's brilliant. You know, let's do it tomorrow. <laughs> and a lot of the time, that's actually very easy to do. You, yeah. know, you make a little change here and there, and all of a sudden, 
you're you're empowering you know a, a customer to do something different. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's where we see it going as a platform. It's something we're going to let it evolve organically. Another overused phrase. Yeah. Um, but let it grow organically um, by understanding the problems. We don't want to try and guess, second guess what they all are. Build it all and then go to people and they say, oh, but that doesn't really solve our problems. Okay. Yeah. And then now just to move a little bit uh, on the same topic, though, chatbots. You, mm. you alluded to it earlier. Mm. Um, so I know one of the things that you do um, quite significantly from an interview point of view is, is these chatbots. Can you explain to me... You know, very simply, what is a chatbot, um, and how, how is it different to your normal chat messenger or WhatsApp or whatever the case may be, LinkedIn, Skype, etc. Yeah. So again, it's this is one of the ones you could ask three people, and you'll get you'll get three different answers. Uh, like everything uh, else. Do. Exactly. Yeah. It's technology, right? Yeah. It's being disruptive. <laughs> but I think um, you know, for me, a chatbot, and for us, the way we're seeing chatbots at the moment is almost to drop the chat. Okay. It's it's. I'm not going to go. This is not a. This is not a consumer. The, the world we're playing in. It's not a consumer-driven bot where I can say, you know, how are you? You know, um, you know, what are you doing later? Kind of thing. You know, uh, can you book me a restaurant? It's not that kind of bot that we're looking at. Um, okay. And I think I'll start with with the learnings that we've had because what we've learned in the what we've learned is that we try to get too clever with the chat portion of it. But actually what people really seem to be asking for is a personal assistant. Okay. They want us to, to solve simple problems that are repetitive. So I'll, t- I'll give you an example. Frequently asked questions yes. on a website. Okay. My, my least favorite place on any website to try and find is frequently asked questions. You mm. know, how do I buy a voucher or how do I find a dealer or how do I do you – know, and going back again to kind of meaningful jobs – some poor person's got to answer those emails or got to answer that SMS or got to answer that web form query or telephone call or whatever it is. We want to, well, where we think bots can really make a difference now in terms of, you know, what's affordable and what's accessible is solving those sorts of problems. You know, how do I, you know, how do I find one of your dealers? I mean, I don't have to phone you to ask that. We know the answer. Yes. So why can't I just ask that through almost any channel of my choice? I should be able to send an SMS. I should be able to send an email. I should be able to potentially talk to somebody in a different language yes. and have it auto-translated, and then they respond back to me, and I just get an answer. You know, um, so that's where we're going with bots. So, so bots are we're seeing them as as clever personal assistants for the moment. Okay. Um, because we're playing mostly in the enterprise space, uh, we don't see somebody wanting to have a long conversation with a bot. Yes, uh, unless you're bored. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did that once with one of our bots, and it you know it, it, it peters out eventually. Um, but what? But, then, we, but what, what is this bot <clears throat> for? Just in layman's terms, is it a is it a piece of software? Is it an app? What what is it? Let's call it a piece of software. It's, okay. it's a piece of software that draws on a number of different databases or data sources okay. or artificial intelligence. Uh, we sometimes call them cognitive services, uh, and and you can train it, okay. uh, and it can learn. Uh, I'm trying to keep this in layman's terms. Yes, <laughs> and it can learn from you teaching it. Okay, and uh, how would you teach it? Um, if you could paint a picture of a typical <clears throat> teaching, bot teaching process. So there are a couple of different ways. Uh, like I said earlier, we're, we're based largely on the Microsoft stack, and they okay. actually provide an ability to train. And really, what that does is it says you you've got a data repository okay and if somebody says hi what they might say is hello they might say good morning they might say how's it yeah they might say what's up okay uh, and and we teach it that those are all i suppose similar or synonyms if, if that makes sense yes and then we give the appropriate response okay. so if you were to do that manually it's really going into a repository and updating those one by one yes but that's where the very clever machine learning type stuff comes in. I see. Certainly not my world of, of expertise in terms of how that works. Yes. Um, but you can, you know, you can start learning natural language using technology. So you're not actually manually teaching it. It's learning. It's learning. It's on learning a from basis. its yeah on it on its own. Okay. Um, and again, you know, all the big all the big players out there are providing these services. Okay. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to try and build them anymore. I don't think. Yes. Um, I stand to be and, and where would I interact with this bot? Is it on WhatsApp or does it have its? So I'm trying to understand really um, how do I engage with a bot? Yes. It depends. It depends which bot it is. Um, it could be on Skype, for example. Um, it 
the technology allows for us to do it via WhatsApp. Sadly, WhatsApp as an organization don't like to open up their their communication channel, so we can't just connect directly to WhatsApp. Okay. They, I think they do it with very select um, partners. Okay. Um, so that's that's. But I, my personal opinion is that's coming at some point. Okay. But you can interact with it on Facebook Messenger, for okay. example. You can interact with it via email. You can send an email to, you know, bot at com, and it'll give you an answer, provided, you know, you're asking it the type of question it knows the answer to. Yes. And if it doesn't know the answer, it's going to say, I'm really sorry, I don't know. Um, and here comes the human element again. Can I put you in touch with a human? Uh, I see. <laughs> you know? I see. Um, it's almost like a graceful fail, you know, failing gracefully, you know. It's, it can be very frustrating talking to these bots, and then you're just not getting anywhere. You're going around in circles. Okay. Um, in the background, we know that that's happening. You know, the bot is evaluating every question and giving it a kind of accuracy score. Okay. And if that accuracy score is too low, we can immediately hand over gracefully and say, you know, I'm really sorry I couldn't help you today. Would you like to talk to him? Put me in our accounts department. And and there we go. You know, you've got the human element again. You've recognized the technology is not going to solve everything. Yes. Um, and, and you've handed over. And and hopefully that's a it's a positive experience. Yes. So, I mean, going back to your original question, you can do it via SMS. Um, you can custom build a number of channels. Uh, you know, I'm talking about what's free. What's available. freedom, yes. Yeah. And is, how different is it to your normal <coughs> automated um, responses that you would get? You know, this is an unmanned email box. How do bots now take that to another level? So I think, you know, you're asking it a question. So I'll, I'll go back to, you know, let's call it the retail a scenario, you know, when when is my account due and how much is my account? Oh, I see. So you'd ask it that question it like that. that question. It's going to answer that question. For I you. see. You know, I and see. if it can't answer it, if you're going to be interacting via email, it's unlikely to send your mail back and say, "I think you might be asking this." Okay. Please send it. You wouldn't do that in the mail channel. Okay. But if that was on an instant messaging type platform, the first thing you'd want to do is to say, "Well, I'm not quite sure what you're asking me. Are you asking me this or are you asking me that?" And very quickly, you can respond and say, I mean, you know, everybody types quicker than they can talk now, you know, and uh, they can answer and say, oh, no, this is what I was asking. And then it gives you a perfect answer. Ah. Whereas, uh, so it's almost smart. So it does what, what you would have done looking at the statement and looking at due date and due exactly. balance. It kind of goes and does a PA. Yeah. Did, yeah. Ah, I see. Okay. So I would, I would have logged into an ERP system. I might have logged into a customer relationship management sort of solution to, to find out who the customer is. Then gone and find out what their account number is. Then potentially have to log into a different system to find out the actual balance, and then finally find out when their due date is. Okay. This is doing all of that for you, okay. and understanding what the what the request actually is. Okay. Um, I, again, you know, I'm I, I'm sorry I keep doing this, but you've got to bring it back to the human side of things as well, and that is. You know, these, these bots, I think they've got, there's such an expectation out there because, you know, the apples of this world, the Googles have, have built some amazing bots. Okay. Um, they've got the resources to do it. Yes. What you've got to understand is that this is a journey. You know, you don't just switch these things on and they can do everything. Yes. You've actually, you've got to get people comfortable with the fact that they're not talking to a human. Um, and one of the things we're learning is that you don't want your bot to pretend to be a human. Okay, people, it must be known. It, it, look, this is our opinion. You yes. know, they, they, you know, you don't want to go, hi, I'm Bob. And very quickly, that person realizes that they're actually talking to a bot. I see. Um, it's, it's, you feel let down. It's a bad customer experience. Yes. Um, so, you know, these things, they take time to evolve. I think there's a, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's so exciting and it's so out there and it's so, awesome in terms of the tech that we just immediately think that these things can have full-on conversations with you the reality is that that's not true yes. you've actually got to you've got to find the use case you've got to figure out how to solve it all the what ifs you know these yes there's some machine learning in there like we spoke about but for the most part it's humans teaching these things you know how to how to interact and, and how to engage yeah and and how do you how do you let somebody down easily? <laughs> you know, you can't just write, sorry, I can't find the answer in my database. Like, no. I'm going to be upset. How to be compassionate. There we go. Yeah, yeah. compassionate. Yeah. And do you see this bot space is going to grow significantly? Yes, I do. Has, is it already? I mean, are there <clears throat> places where we might not even know that we were, that you can think of where we were interacting with bots and maybe we didn't know it? I think there are. I think there are. I think there are less, and this is from from our experience out in the field as well, It's it's there are less in the enterprise space. Okay. Um, so, I mean, to use Siri from Apple as an example, you know it's a bot. Yes. Everybody knows that. Yes. Um, and, and yes, so we are interacting. I think in the enterprise space, we may actually be interacting with some bots and not even know about it. Interesting. Um, you know, but again, those have got a very, very clear use case. 
Yeah. You know, it might be something like ordering a pizza. Okay. You know, on 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 a on a on Facebook Messenger, for example. Yes. Um, you know, sometimes you might actually be talking to a bot. Other times, it might just be a human that's monitoring it and steps in and says, "I know that this is going to go badly." I know this bot. Yeah, I know this bot. <laughs> let me let me just answer this quickly. You yeah. Know? Um. So I do. I do think you know this. You know what's what's the word? Um. Oh, I've lost it. Sorry, but uh, there's yeah. a side of me that thinks you know there are there are instances out there that we. Okay. We're not even aware of it. But this is obviously one of the very few South African innovations around bot technology, um, specifically for, for the enterprise space. I can't imagine there's very many. <clears throat> no, they're, they're not. Um, there, there are a couple of local players. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough sell. You yeah. know? So uh, I, think, I think where there are local players, we, we are making, making use of as much technology that is already out there. Okay. You know, that, as we possibly can, and through our experiences, actually bringing it all together as well. Yes. Um, I, I alluded to it earlier. We're not necessarily going to go and build natural language understanding ourselves. It doesn't make sense. No. Microsoft built it for us. Yes. Yes. Um, so you know, we, we will make use of that. Um, and I, yeah, I think there's our understanding. There's three or four local players who who are who are in that space. So it's a growing space then. Yeah. <clears throat> it's absolutely a growing space. Yeah. Um, it's a scary space. Um, it's, you know, I always use my mom when I talk about technology and, and examples. My yeah. mom doesn't want to talk to a robot. She wants to talk to a person. She wants to talk to a person. Even, even if she thinks that that bot is a human, if she found out, she'd be very upset. She really wants to talk to a human. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and these are, in, in some instances, I could get myself into trouble here. But in some instances, these are the guys that are making the decisions in the organizations. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's people you know, with all due respect, yes. like my mom, yeah. you know, certainly in that sort of age category, who yeah. are saying, "Sure, guys, this is a little bit too, uh, it's a little bit too far fetched. You've been watching too many movies." So I guess we um, need to we need to take them on that journey with us um, and not leave yeah. them behind. Yeah, yeah. So and, Dave, and that talks to to sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but that talks to solving simple use cases. Okay, you know, prove to them that you can answer a frequently asked question. Okay, prove to them that you can you can translate from Russian to English on the fly. Okay, and okay. then once you've proven that it works and it's not going to take over the world, you know, then I think there'll be a little bit more adoption. So it's, it's, I guess it's that individual touch. So it's not about saying there's a million, hundred million people in the world using it. Mm. Um, she doesn't care. No, she wants to know: Will this thing solve my problem exactly. as an individual? Exactly. And and I mean to be honest. You know, if it's going to solve her problem and she has to accept the fact that she's not talking to a human, she might be happy. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and these are the sorts of complexities yes. that we're dealing with. It's we could probably solve the problem four times quicker with a bot. Yes. But she still doesn't want the bot. Yeah. She still wants to talk to Bob. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, somebody that just is listening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, these are the types of complexities and, and issues we that we've got to deal with. Yeah. yeah. So, Dave, I mean, we, we, Quickly running out of time. Um, like yourself, I, I do enjoy a chat around tech. But before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you mm. just a couple of questions and uh, really broad questions to answer them as you feel comfortable. Sure. I mean, the first one is we've spoken about disruption from many angles. What would be your definition of what disruption truly is? I don't know if it's my definition, but it's certainly one that I've heard and one that I believe in. And that is it's finding, it's finding new ways to solve old problems. Okay. That's really that's the way I look at it. So finding new ways to flow to okay, old or existing problems. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Great. And then my second question is from an interview perspective, what do you see for companies out there as the future in terms of, you know, bot technology, app technology and digital disruption? Where is that space going? So I think bots is something that we that organizations have to accept. They're there. Okay. And they they are coming and and they will they will get better rapidly, um, and I think the sooner you embrace that, probably the better. Okay. Um, but again, do it start small. Okay. You know now's the time to to fail a couple of times if you need to. Yes. Um, you don't want to do it when all of your competitors have, have already succeeded. Yes. Um, so get in as early as possible. <clears throat> then I think so. I yeah. think so. And and again, choose a small little slice of your business that you want to experiment on. Um, you know, we call it pilots and proof of concepts. It's an it's an experiment for the most part. You know, yeah. choose a small part that you know, or a small audience that you're willing to to solve a big problem with. Yes, and uh, and have a go. Uh, and if it doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work for you. But you're not going to know unless you try. Absolutely. Um, and and you know, these sorts of things aren't massively expensive. Um, it's not. You don't have to spend millions and millions and millions to to fail. Yes. Um, 
or to figure out that it might not work for you is probably the better the better approach. I mean, one of the things we talk about, you'll know, it is 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 you know we want to fail fast. Yes. You know, if you're going to fail, cheapest do it quickly and do it cheap. Learn quickly and move on. And move on, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's actually probably pertinent across any technology. Is is embrace that. It's okay to fail. I mean, that's where you get all your lessons from, right? Yes. Um, yes. In terms of apps, I think I think we can all agree that for the most part, um, the kind of the desktop web is a is a dying place. Okay. Um, cheap like I get crucified for that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know it's 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 mobile first. Okay. It's mobile first. You know we believe that the chat interface is becoming the new mobile. Okay. Um, it's it's a way off. Um, not that far though. I don't think. Yes. Um, but you know I look at how much I personally do on my phone Relative compared to, to the what PC I do in the desktop. Yes. You know I think I think if you're not thinking mobile first. Or, you know, if you're really leading the pack, then maybe chat first. Okay. But if you're certainly not thinking, you know, mobile user interface first, you, you're very well behind. Okay. Um, you know, there's some instances, yes, we, we, you don't need mobile, and then that's perfectly acceptable. Of course. Um, but if you're, if you're trying to force people down a channel that you're comfortable with, you've, you've, you're making some mistakes. Okay. And then my last question links back to where we started with um, Simon Petrus. From Namibia, mm. and and I guess it's it's more of a broader question around being that you are South African, being that you, I guess, uh, tapped into the future to a certain extent around technology. What would be your vision for a disruptive South Africa, disruptive Africa? How, how do you think that's going to look relative to the rest of the world? Sure, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> I think uh, I think South Africa needs to. I think we really need to embrace technology. I think we're scared of it. Um, and, you know, this, this Simon Petrus guy who, who's come up with a great example, we need to, as, as a country, embrace that sort of thing. Yes. Because if we don't embrace it, he's got no chance. Okay. Um, and I think, so firstly, we need to make sure everybody is connected. Um, I think we're doing pretty well there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think we need to, to try to not be so scared of technology. Okay. You know, there, I mean, hell, there, there are good reasons to be scared of it. Um, but you've, you kind of got to put yourselves out there, certainly as a country. You know, I think SARS did it brilliantly. I mean, we, we must be up there in the world with terms of, in terms of filing your returns yes. for that e-file. It's fantastic. It yes. really is good. Yes. Um, and we need more of that. You know, we need more, we need more trust. We need more belief um, that technology can help us and not just get in the way. It's not, you know, we're, we're not out there, like we said earlier, to, to get rid of everybody and their jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the point? <laughs> what's, what problem are you solving? Absolutely. Um, what, you know, we want people to embrace this sort of stuff and encourage guys, you know, like young inventors. I mean, there's that other kid that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago who uh, I, I think he, he went to his library and he read a couple of books and he went home and he built a windmill. Wow. And you're just like, you know, that's the sort of stuff that we need to be embracing. So for me, that's actually the vision of, for, for, for my vision for, for a kind of disruptive South Africa is being willing to try these things, yes. being willing to fail and being willing to support local people, local entrepreneurs when they do fail, yes. you know, help them back up and let them have a, have another crack at it. Um, yeah, I think that for me is the, is the big thing. And, uh, yeah, getting everybody connected, you know, Absolutely. everybody to everybody else. Yes. You know, it's, yeah. it's not just about WhatsApp and those sorts of things. You know, I want to be talking to, I want to be talking to my municipality. Yeah. And I want to be talking to them like it, like I'm talking to my best mate. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you for joining us today on Disrupt. Um, we look forward to seeing more around the municipal system. So the smart cities and smart citizens. And how we can apply applications, you know, apps and um, bots better. Um, thank you very much. Thank you also for joining us on another episode of Disrupt with Employment Lapo. Thank you to our sponsors, T Systems, for making uh, this platform available to us. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Have a wonderful day. Cliffcentral.com.